Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. So excited to be here with you today. I'm going to be talking about a topic that I get asked often about with my clients. It's something that people ask me a lot about on Instagram. And the question is, should you tell your partner about relationship anxiety, relationship OCD? If so, how much do you tell them? How little do you tell them? How do you tell them at all? And in the past, I've written a blog about this. I'm going to expand a little bit more. And, you know, every year I kind of have new thoughts and feelings about the subject. So some of it may be familiar if you've read that blog post before, but I'm going to be adding in extra ideas and thoughts on this. And the original question that had come in a couple years back that had inspired the blog post I had written was how should you disclose your relationship anxiety to your partner to avoid making them feel bad or scared? And what I love about this question is you can just tell there's a lot of empathy in it, a lot of care coming from the question. There's a lot of consideration for the partner. Um, You don't want to make them feel bad or scared. But if you're listening to this or watching this, I want you to be able to honor yourself and your partner, because both are important. And sometimes I think that, you know, from a loving and caring and empathetic place, we can be so worried about making sure that no one else feels bad that we end up feeling bad internally, right? So I think that is really important to kick this conversation off with. And also to give a quick little note or disclaimer that there is not a right or a wrong way to share or not share about this subject. There is no such thing as the perfect way to talk about it. And it's also going to be very situational depending on who you are as a person, who your partner is. There's a lot of context about your specific relationship that I probably don't have. But just knowing that if this is something that you've thought about sharing, then hopefully you can take what works from this conversation. In the past, I bottled things up and they kind of eventually all spilled over like a volcano. Um, And that can be the case when we hold things in. And so if you're the type of person that tends to bottle things up, then this could be worth knowing about yourself of like, I do tend to bottle things up and I, I don't want to share things, but just checking in with yourself, does that feel like a helpful pattern to you? Or would you like to consider alternate options here? Another thing to talk about at the beginning of this conversation before we get much further is that the way that a partner may receive the information about you experiencing relationship anxiety or relationship OCD will likely depend on a couple of things. One is their personality and who they are as a person, but it will also depend on our delivery, the way that we share it, when we share it, and the intention behind sharing it. So the first piece is not necessarily something that's in our control, right? Like how 
are they as a person? How do they operate? How do they view love and relationships? But the second part is much more in our control, which is how we choose to share this information with them. So before deciding if you want to share or how to share with your partner about experiencing anxiety in the relationship, there are a few things that you can consider, and I'm going to talk through each of these with more detail, but I think they're worth noting before you even decide to have the conversation. Now, I didn't have this insight before talking with Nate about these things, so I'm taking what I've learned and sharing it with you. And if you're someone that's listened to this and maybe you've already had a conversation, I still think there's going to be some nuggets of wisdom in here that you can use for future conversations or if you decide to open up and share other things with your partner too. So three things to consider before deciding how to share with your partner about relationship anxiety. The first is what is the intention behind you sharing it? The second is What level of self-awareness and responsibility are you willing to bring into the conversation? And then the third is just considering your right to privacy and kind of reflecting on what you think and feel about privacy in a relationship or in your relationship specifically. So now let's break down each one of those into more detail. So When it comes to what is your intention behind sharing relationship anxiety and the experience that you're going through with your partner, is the intention because you're feeling overwhelmed? Is it because you're feeling guilty? Is it because you're feeling ashamed? Is it because you want them to understand you and your inner world more? Is it because you want to honor open communication in the relationship? Maybe it's a combination of all of the above. And there is no right or wrong answer here. Please know that. But it can be really helpful to reflect on this before sharing. And that doesn't just mean for sharing about relationship anxiety. That can be about sharing anything. And we don't want to go around constantly assessing ourselves of like why we're sharing something. That's not what I mean. But it can be helpful to know our intention behind something and whether or not it's trying to connect us more to our partner, trying to get support, whatever it is. The reason that it can be helpful, especially when it comes to relationship anxiety, is because the energy we bring into a conversation with our partner about a sensitive topic can be very different. So if it's shared from a place of guilt or shame, that might be a much different conversation than if it's shared from a place of, hey, I want to share something about myself that I've learned more about lately, or hey, I want you to know a little bit more about me, or hey, I want to open up a conversation about a vulnerable subject. It's a very different energy. And sometimes we might not even have the wherewithal to reflect on why we're sharing something. So again, just noting down that it doesn't always have to be that intentional. And sometimes it's just going to happen and that's okay. That's what happened with me. Um, I just kind of exploded one day and felt like I couldn't not say anything anymore. So just consider that there are many ways to do this, but I think that it's something to think about and that can affect the conversation. So a tangible action could be if you do want to talk to your partner about relationship anxiety or ROCD or bring up something new into the conversation about ROCD relationship anxiety that they may not know about, you can pause and journal. What is my intention for this conversation? And just kind of see what comes up. Next, the second thing to consider before a conversation would be 
what level of self-awareness and personal responsibility you're willing to bring into the conversation about relationship anxiety and relationship OCD. Now, I think this is kind of general communication 101, not necessarily, again, related to relationship anxiety, but if we come into a conversation with a partner or a family member or a coworker and we say, you're doing this, you're doing that, you made me feel this way, you made me feel that way, it's going to be a much different conversation than when we use I words or I phrases. I feel this way. I noticed I'm responding to you in this way. It's very, very different when we come from here's how I think and feel to you did this or you did that. One of them brings about defensiveness and the other one brings about a willingness to want to support you. So I think that's really important to start off with. Um, Another piece with regard to this conversation on self-awareness and responsibility is when we're bringing this understanding into our conversation that relationship anxiety or relationship OCD is happening within us, that makes a big difference as well. Yes, relationship anxiety and ROCD are manifesting in the relationship that you're in, but it's your own internal fears that are coming out because they're being mirrored back to you in this relationship. And this assumes you are in a safe relationship without abuse taking place. But hopefully if you've listened to the podcast before, if you've come across my work before, you've heard me share that relationship anxiety and relationship OCD are tied to our own fears around love and relationships. If not, if this is the first time you've ever heard me say something like that, I want you to go back to episode one of the podcast, the very first episode where I talk about why relationship anxiety happens. Listening to that episode could be very helpful before having a conversation with your partner to see what resonates with you from that conversation of, okay, why do I feel like relationship anxiety is happening for me personally? And how can I use that to better understand myself? Just to give you like a very, very high level overview, like the elevator pitch, the fears that can sit underneath doubts in our relationship could be anything from fear of failure, fear of divorce, fear of not being fulfilled, fear of losing yourself in the relationship, fear of losing your partner, fear of abandonment, fear of imperfections and things not going how you thought they would, fear of intimacy, fear of settling, fear of vulnerability, and so many more. All of these fears are at the core of most relationship anxiety and doubt. And again, this assumes that you are not in an abusive situation. And the reason I give this disclaimer is because If you're in a situation where someone is hurting you intentionally, right, then it makes sense that there would be something signaling in you to pay attention. Whereas a lot of the anxiety that I'm talking about on this podcast and in my experience is kind of coming from more, I don't want to say hypothetical situations, but it's more like I'm worried about something maybe going wrong in the future. It's not necessarily tied to direct challenges happening in the relationship Or if it is tied to direct challenges happening in the relationship, those challenges might at least have solutions versus an abusive situation. I'm not asking you to try and find a solution to that. So I hope that helps clarify why I give that disclaimer. And I will be doing an episode in the future where I talk about abuse and what is or is not abuse. I'm bringing on a previous guest, actually, Dr. Molly, who's a therapist to talk more about abusive relationships and what does or does not qualify as that. 
back to this second consideration here, which is about what self-awareness and responsibility you're willing to bring into the conversation with your partner when it comes to relationship anxiety. When you understand that relationship anxiety is less about your partner than it is about your own beliefs, experiences, and behaviors around love and relationships, that is huge. And it does take some time for this to sink in, but if you are not open to the idea that this is somewhat a you thing, not just a them thing, then the conversation that you have about it, I think is going to feel like a target towards your partner versus a chance to kind of have an open discussion. So if you're going at it from the lens of, well, this is them creating this anxiety within me, then that could make your partner feel bad or scared or frustrated because they probably are not intending for that anxiety to happen. So that will much more likely lead to them feeling like they need to defend their position versus if you say, here's what I'm going through and here are the fears that are coming up for me, they will be much more likely to want to support you instead of feeling like they need to solve this. So if what I just shared is clicking with you, as an action item here, you could reflect on a few reasons why you think that it makes sense that relationship anxiety or relationship OCD would be popping up for you. So like I said, if you need the extra boost in this action item, go back and listen to episode one of the podcast. But I want you to feel like before you have a conversation with your partner, you at least are like, it kind of makes sense as to why I'm experiencing this. I, what I just said is not necessarily like you have to do this beforehand, but it's something that you at least might want to consider. So if it feels helpful for you, then I would want you to go into the conversation feeling like you have a baseline understanding of relationship anxiety and why it happened. Um, And if you do decide to talk to your partner, you could keep those things top of mind for the conversation. So that's enough about that second consideration. Let's move on to the third one, which is considering and reflecting on your right to privacy in relationships and thinking about what privacy represents for you. So when I was doing this blog a couple years ago, I looked up the definition of privacy and basically it shared that when something is private to a person, it usually means that it is inherently special or sensitive to them. And I think especially when it comes to relationship anxiety and ROCD, the word sensitive feels true here. So if something is private, it is inherently sensitive or inherently special. I want to give you permission in case you haven't ever been given permission before that you can keep things private in your relationship. I'll say that again. I'm going to give you permission in case no one has before that you have the right to keep things private in your relationship. You are not lying to your partner if you don't share every single detail that pops up into your mind. You have the right to privacy. Now, on the other hand, you may want to consider where is the line in the sand for you between what you deem as private versus what you deem as a secret. So an example of a secret would be like if you were intending to cheat on your partner in a monogamous relationship where both of you agreed that that wasn't something you would do and you had this whole intricate plan and weren't saying anything. That feels like a secret. And everyone listening to this podcast 
is going to have a different perspective on what the right is between keeping things private versus something being a secret. That's okay. And that's where self-trust comes into play of what feels like your version of privacy or your version of secrecy. It doesn't need to be what is mine, right? But the way that this could play out in having a conversation about relationship OCD, relationship anxiety is it could look like choosing to say, I'm having doubts about long-term commitment instead of I have thoughts that say, I don't love you and I don't think you're attractive all the time. Because both things are true, but one of them stings a little bit more and feels like a personal dig at somebody. Whereas the other one is again, keeping that focus on you. Another example of privacy could be, again, everyone's relationship is different, right? But it could be choosing to keep to yourself every time you notice someone that is cute walking down the street. Though some people do have the type of relationship where they're like, oh, that person's attractive, that person's attractive, and neither of them seem to be bothered by that. But it could be just noticing it and not needing to talk about it or confess it to your partner, right? Another example of privacy, again, take what works and leave the rest, but it could be choosing to leave some of the exact details out about past relationship experiences you've had or past hookups or whatever it is and not necessarily giving your partner all this information of how to compare to an ex if you've had an ex, right? So those are just some things to think of. You know, where it draws over into the line of secrecy, that's your judgment to make. And when it comes to the conversation of relationship anxiety and sharing it with your partner, if it feels really, really heavy to be keeping details about that from your partner, then maybe it's too much to carry and maybe it would really help to let them in on this. And maybe that's your cue that you want to open up the doors and have a conversation. So as you're listening to this, just reflect on what are your boundaries around privacy or secrecy when it comes to communication in your relationship and just kind of think about it. You don't have to do anything about it right now, but just perhaps use that as a journal prompt and see what comes up for you. So those were the three factors to consider before having a conversation about relationship anxiety. So just a reminder, what is your intention behind sharing it? What is the level of self-awareness and responsibility you're willing to bring into the conversation? And then what are your thoughts on privacy and your right to privacy? So those are three things to consider. Now let's dive into how to tell your partner about relationship anxiety if you decide that you want to or you want to bring something up maybe and give them more context. Again, a few more factors to consider here. I'll go in order. The first factor is timing of the conversation. The second factor is using a soft startup. And the third factor is keeping the focus on you. I've gotten to that a little bit already, but I'm going to add some more context there. So the first factor being timing, I personally just think it's common courtesy. And by the way, just because it's common courtesy doesn't mean I always do this perfectly at all. But I think it's common courtesy to kind of check in and see if your partner is in the space to receive information from you before giving them a bunch of information. So let's say like Nate comes in and is trying to ask me a question, but I'm like, in the middle of recording this podcast, for example. It's like, that's not the best time. Or if someone just gets home from like a long day at work, 
you know, that's a different time than maybe if you're kind of cozied up on the couch one night. So it can really set the tone for everyone involved in a conversation to make sure that the other person can receive the information. Now, this doesn't mean wait for the perfect time and just constantly be walking on eggshells, but timing does matter. So like I said, the the middle of the podcast or getting home after a stressful day, it's like that's not maybe the best time to talk about something versus you're on a walking coffee date in the morning, walk and talk, cozy up on the couch. That could be a different conversation. So just a quick way, like an example to check on timing with your partner to have a conversation could literally be like, hey, babe, or hey, Nate, whoever it is, I've been learning more about something and I'd love to discuss it with you. Is now a good time for me to share? And yes, if if they say yes, great. If not, then it's no big deal. Just ask when a better time would be. And if it feels important to talk sooner than later, just, you know, you can nudge the conversation forward a little by being like, okay, great. Well, this feels like it would be something I would want to talk about sooner than later. So it would mean a lot if you have time in the next 24 hours or something like that. The second piece of having a conversation that is setting you up for success is using a soft startup. So this is a phrase that came from Gottman Institute research. And for those who aren't familiar, Gottman Institute has been researching couples and relationships for over 40 years. I really love the work of John and Julie Gottman. I'd absolutely love to have them on the podcast one day and really have enjoyed a lot of what they share in their books and in their research. And in their research, it shows that having a tense or harsh start to a conversation usually actually results in a tense or harsh end to the conversation, which again, this feels almost like simple, but you don't always think about these things as intentionally. Um, And then the opposite is also true, right? So if you start a conversation in a more soft or gentle way, you can influence the conversation to be more soft or gentle. So ways that you can use a soft startup would be using I statements like, I've been feeling this, or you can say something kind to the person like, I'm really grateful that you've been so supportive of me and that you're having a conversation with me right now. I really appreciate that. Um, Using a soft tone, um, not feeling necessarily like there needs to be some sort of defensiveness or threat in the conversation, but kind of, you know, speaking calmly and directly. And also another way to have a soft startup is to weave in some vulnerability. Sometimes you don't really know what to say and don't want to like have this, you know, curated conversation, but you can acknowledge I might not like say this perfectly and I'm a little nervous to have this conversation, but I'm going to say it anyway type thing. And that can help your partner just feel empathy towards you and what you're about to share. So that was an example of kind of using soft startups and making sure, of course, in that first step that the timing is right. Now for the final piece here is keeping the focus on you. Just another reminder to keep the focus on you. That whole statement of it's not you, it's me is like, that's exactly what we're talking about here. And if you don't feel like that's true quite yet, then it could be worth taking some more time to explore relationship anxiety and ROCD until you feel more comfortable in that. And I'll give you a couple different examples of one would be kind of keeping the focus on you and one would be more towards your partner, right? Just listen to them and see which one you would rather be on the receiving end of. 
So the first example would be, here's why I'm anxious. And it's related to you and this thing that you do. And here's how you've been making me feel lately. That's one example, right? Another example would be, here's why I'm anxious. And it's related to this fear of mine that I've recently learned more about. And here's what I'm going to do to work on this thing. You know, totally different conversation. The first one would probably make you feel bad or scared. Like, oh my gosh, what did I do to my partner? Um, And it doesn't feel great to be on the receiving end of that. Whereas if roles were reversed and you're like, oh, this person has a fear. Oh, wow. Like, I'm really glad they shared that with me. Um, Just feeling like more open to that and wanting to support that person versus feeling on the receiving end of criticism or feeling like you're not doing something right. So just knowing that the way that we share something can trigger defensiveness or trigger hurt, or it can trigger compassion and empathy. So just being intentional, not again, perfect, but being intentional can make a difference. Now I've even created a little script that you can use. You don't have to use the exact words, use your own words, of course, make sure this sounds like something you would say, but if you're listening to this and you're thinking, Ooh, okay, maybe I could share a little bit more with my partner and that would feel really good to me as long as I maybe had a little support of how to say it. Here's a script that you could consider. Hey, Nate. I have something to share with you and I'd love to say everything I'm going to say before you reply. I've been feeling really anxious about our relationship lately and I've come to realize it's due to a lot of internalized fear around love as a whole. So for me, this would be because I saw a lot of fighting and divorce growing up or whatever it is, like because my parents didn't work out, um, because I'm scared that love isn't like the movies, like that would be my example you can give specific examples as to why you have fear around love. My anxiety is showing up as a fear of committing to this specific relationship, but from what I've learned about it, I've come to believe that these fears would show up in any relationship. This is called relationship anxiety and thousands of other people are going through it. It really hurts me to experience these fears and doubts because I want this relationship to work and I really care about you. I'm confused by these doubts and here's what I plan to do in order to learn more about them and navigate them. An example of that could be, you know, listening to the podcast or, you know, signing up to work with a coach or therapist, whatever it is. I wanted to let you know how I was feeling and share this with you, even though I knew it would be hard. Do you have any questions for me? So that script, again, it's not hundred percent foolproof. It's not the only way you could say something, but I think that it would be a really great thing to at least just listen to, see if it resonates with you and give you inspiration for how to have that conversation. And the reason I like it is because it keeps the focus on you as the individual. It shows that you're willing to take responsibility and work through this. It shows I care about you and I want this to work. And it gives that soft startup that we talked about. Feel free to go back and listen to that again, see what sticks with you, see what doesn't. But if you do decide to use this script or something similar, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how it went and what came up. Um, I really hope it helps you if you do choose to use it. So 
feel free to send me a DM at you love and you learn to share or to share what clicked with you about this script and maybe your own experience about telling your partner, because I know mine was not like this and it doesn't have to be like this at all. But if you do have your own version of sharing with your partner, feel free to um, keep me posted about that. To end this episode, I have a couple of disclaimers and then a couple of just final thoughts. Some disclaimers to share is that when you sit down to have the conversation with your partner about this, my hope would be that they are responding with curiosity, with empathy, and feeling like they are understanding you. However, I want you to know, and I can only put myself in the shoes of Nate or other people who have received this information, I could only imagine that there's like a little bit of hurt or potential confusion that you might feel when you hear this information, right? It doesn't mean that this person's a bad partner or that they handled it wrong. I can understand why someone might need some space to be like, oh, like that's hard to hear. Let me think about that, right? So if your partner, you know, needs to kind of process that or if they need space before they talk about it more with you, it's not necessarily meaning anything. It just means that they could feel confused and that they want to better understand and maybe they're even having their own fear come up in response. But here's another disclaimer though. If your partner is completely unsupportive or if they're mean to you for any reason after you've communicated that your anxiety is not really about them but it's more about you, this is really important to notice, right? Um, I don't wanna say that this would be a 100% sign that your relationship can't work, but if your partner's being mean or unsupportive altogether, then that is a signal to be mindful of. Because if you value being in a relationship where you want to be able to share openly and vulnerably and you're not getting met with that same level of respect, that's worth deciding if it's okay for you or not. So that's my little kind of sidebar there. But to wrap this up, I know it can be really nerve wracking having vulnerable conversations especially with someone you love and care about, right? So whatever you decide to do, if you decide to share more about relationship anxiety with them or anyone in your life, if you decide to share more about your journey, anything really, any topic, I support you. And if you decide not to, I support you as well. Just know, again, there's no one right or wrong way to do this. There's no perfect way to do this. We're all different people. We're all in different relationships. So just use your own judgment and decide what part of this clicks with you, what part of it maybe doesn't, and know that it's all okay. I want you to trust yourself. I want you to trust that you know your partner and yourself better than I ever could and move forward in a way that feels helpful for you. So thank you so much for listening to this. I'd love to hear what you think of it. I'm sending you a lot of love. I'm wishing you good luck and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the You Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, 
the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.